calling all my footy fans from all around the globe. Straight out of NYC, this is The Line Breaker. Yo, what's up everyone? Welcome to The Line Breaker. This is a world football show based in New York City, talking all things footy. I'm your host, Pano. I'm Dimitri, aka Juicy. And we're going to be talking to you today about the top 10 most expensive transfers of the summer so far. Obviously, the summer window has just begun. We're only two and a half weeks in, so there are plenty more transfers to go. Plenty more people to go AWOL, to refuse to go to training, Lukaku, and lots more to come. So we're just going to be giving you our letter grades for the top 10 most expensive transfers of the summer so far. All right, it might even get the line breaker seal of approval. We'll have to see. How are you feeling right now, Dimitri? I'm feeling great, I'm feeling great. How are you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm excited and I'm ready to talk some footy because we have a fire list. Look, there are some absolute ballers on this list. There's some guys who I'm not too crazy about. We'll get into it. How about you kick things off right now? Who let's, we got first? Let's hit the road running. At number one, Declan Rice from West Ham to Arsenal for 116.6 million euros. So, Arsenal's main priority this year, this summer, was Declan Rice solidifying that defensive midfield role for the squad. He's calm, he's a ball winner, and he's going to be that security blanket for that midfield. Would you say he's a bagsman? No, he's not really no, a bagsman. No, he's not a bagsman. He's not a bagsman. He's not a bagsman. What else you got? I could give him my grade. You want to give him your grade already? Go for it. Declan Rice, I believe so far the best signing this summer by anybody. It's an A. Wow. Okay. All right. So, so you're really you you like this signing a lot. So I love it. You, okay, you love it. All right. Well, I like the Declan Rice signing too. I think overall, and also me being a Chelsea fan, I would have loved to have Declan Rice, especially at the base of our midfield. So. I would have loved him. I'm going to give this signing, though, an A-, minus, just because, and I know you said a lot more, just because I'm still not sure how this moves the needle. This could definitely bring more solid, you know, like solid midfield aspects to their midfield because they got rid of Xhaka. You could argue that Declan is basically better than him in every single way. And it looks like, based on what I saw today, Thomas Party isn't going anywhere. Um... So I'm sure the UK government will also be happy about that. But um, also, it doesn't look like he's going anywhere. So I just I, I feel like it's not the signing that's going to absolutely push them over the edge to win the Premier League title. But I like it overall as a signing. So I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Moving on to number two. Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund to Real Madrid for 103 million euros. You want to hit this one off? I'll start. Listen, I love this one, but same kind of deal with what we had going with Declan Rice. I'm still not sure. if To give this an A, it's got to be something where, wow, Real Madrid really needed this. And honestly, the one thing that I can say about Real Madrid in the last few transfer windows is they've tackled getting that midfield revamped. They have Shuameni, they have Kemavinga, they have Valverde, and obviously they still have Cruz and Modric. Yes, they lost Casemiro, but they've done a fantastic job at replacing those midfielders. 
The only thing that I'm thinking now with Bellingham, obviously he's a fantastic player. He does everything. He is a ball carrier. He can play those key passes. He's also a dog defensively, but I still, I, I don't know if this is going to be the signing that's going to really change their team. I looked at how they played in the Champions League. I don't know if this is what's going to bring them, you know, the next Champions League title. I think that maybe they could have looked at other key areas and spent the money there, but I also have a feeling that they're looking at a certain French forward from Paris. They might be spending the money on that. But overall, I give this an A- minus because, again, I'm just not sure if it moves the needle for them. And also, I don't really like Jude Bellingham because he tried hurting my boy Reese James when Dortmund played Chelsea. Also, Dortmund got spanked by Chelsea that second game. So I also have a little, little agenda against him right now, but I'm, I'm willing to be changed. I'm... It pains me to say this. I like this signing. As you said, Bellingham comes in with fresh legs. He's a high-quality player, great defensively, and also great in the attack, has an attacking presence. I think he can be plugged in anywhere in the midfield, give Modric and Cruz needed rests in games that they might not really be needed against the bottom half of the La Liga table or early on in the group stage games against, you know, weak teams. I like this. I give it an A. He also gives it an A because, you know, he's he's absolutely hoping that he doesn't play well against Barcelona, right? He would get an A plus if he didn't <laughs> play well. So you're going to learn this about us little by little. I mean, one thing, I'm Greek. We're both Greek, but also he's a Barcelona fan. I'm a Chelsea fan. Listen, this, this Bellingham deal, it's probably bad for him in the end. We're going to be bringing another Champions League, probably La Liga to, to Real Madrid. But, hey, it's okay because... Barca will just pull another lever, right? Let's hope not. Let's hope not. All right. Let's move on. We got King Kai Havertz going to Arsenal from my Chelsea. Fee being 75 million euros. Now, also, I want to note these figures for the deals are coming from Transfermarkt. There's always some discrepancies. You know, world football could get a little sus when it comes to actually reporting figures. This is what Transfermark says. I'm going to take this as probably the most reliable that you could get and the most unbiased. So 75 million euros is the fee. Um, I'm going to let you kick things off since I started with Bellingham. So Kai Havertz, I think he's going to be an important piece of that Arsenal midfield. He won't be a needle mover in my opinion. I think he'll provide support to Odegaard overall in the attack. But that's going to be his main role, in my opinion, providing that support to Odegaard and also creating chances. As we saw, Arsenal kind of died out towards the end of last year and weren't able to get the big goals when needed. And they just kind of were weak at the end, and they need that extra attack-minded player. Overall, my grade is, an, is a B because I think he has a low floor. Low floor as in what he's going to do with Arsenal. Yep. Yeah. I see that. Listen, I'm definitely in the same boat as Dimitri here, not just because of my Chelsea bias. If anything, look, there's one thing that Dimitri knows about me is I'm a very unbiased Chelsea fan. If anything, I'm super pessimistic, and you'll see that later on in this video. But when it comes to Kai Havertz, I was so excited when Chelsea signed him. Now, three years later, I'm just struggling to see what he's going to bring to Arsenal that they don't already have. Is he going to play in that midfield three? Is he going to be the left center mid? Today, what I was reading is that if Party stays, then it's going to be Declan. 
and party in the midfield with Odegaard, does that mean Kai is either on the bench or they play him as the false nine for your boy, uh, you know, Gabby Jesus? R9, as Dimitri likes to call him. R9! R9 regen. Listen, the entire year last year, Dimitri kept telling me, bro, Arsenal, they're the truth. They're going to win the Premier League. And let's just say that got a little quieter and quieter and quieter as the season went on. All I heard at the beginning of the year was R9, Gabriel Jesus, blah, blah, Ronaldo regen. Well, look, the jury's still out on Gabriel Jesus as much as I like him as a player. I don't know if he's R9. Um, and maybe that's why Arsenal got Havertz. Maybe he's going to replace him. He's going to play that false nine. So we have to see. But with that, again, needle mover. I feel like I'm going to say that a lot. And he low-key stole that from me because I said that in the beginning. Um, I don't know what Havertz is going to bring to this team. I don't know how much he's going to play. It's all up in the air. This is definitely something that I would love to revisit later on in the season where I'm ultimately proven wrong and he's amazing. He already has 20 goals in October. All 20 against Chelsea. So, yeah, I'm going to give this a B-, minus, especially with the fee included, big fee, for someone who I don't know where he's going to play. So uh, let's move on. And I, I want to start I want to start off with number four. As Dimitri knows, I love this signing. Also another one that really pains me that Liverpool moved quick on, and that's Dominic Shalabshlai. <laughs> Dominic Sabashlai. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right. So. From RB Leipzig to Liverpool, a release clause happened out of nowhere, basically. Just they activated the release clause. They got him. Fee is 70 million euros, which honestly, in my opinion, is a bargain. I think that basically he gives them everything. Um, he's a baller. He runs hard, obviously, because he's, you know, he's part of that Red Bull side. So he knows that Red Bull footy. He's creative. He ranks, and I, I'm going to pull up FB Ref because we use FB Ref a lot when we're looking at stuff. 84th percentile in Europe's top five leagues for assists, shots from free kicks. He's a free kick specialist. He's a penalty specialist. And when you look at his passing metrics, it's all 90th percentile. We're talking pass completion. We're talking passes attempted long, medium. He passes expected assists. And one of his best stats is his long passes, his through balls. He's in the 92nd percentile. So listen, he definitely is a line breaker. So he gets my line breaker seal of approval. Dominic Sabashlai. I'm giving it an A. I love this wow. move for Liverpool. I think it revamps their midfield, adds hunger, adds goals, adds assists, and energy. And Jurgen Klopp is going to love that. I agree with most of what you said, if not all of it. But what I do find to be a little concerning is his discipline. He had two red cards last year in the Bundesliga, one of them being a straight red. So I don't really like an attacking player picking up red cards in the, in the season, especially multiple red cards. But I do think he's a good fit for this Liverpool squad. He's a runner, he's physical, and he's all over the place. As we saw with Liverpool's midfield, it was breaking down, Henderson's out. They needed to revamp that midfield, and I think this is a good fit. But I won't go as high to give it an A. I'll give it a B plus. B plus. I think that's harsh. But listen, hey, look, that's why we're just we're these are our own opinions. You know, these are our grades of what we think. You might think something different. And listen, if you disagree with us, let us know. 
please let us know whether it's in the comments on YouTube, whether you add us on socials, whether it's through Instagram, threads, Twitter, whatever it is, you let us know if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, if you think Dimitri knows absolutely nothing about ball, which you would be right about, he knows nothing about footy. So you let us know, all right? Still early, a lot of action left. A lot of action left, so let's move on, number five. I'll let you start with this one. Mason Mount from Chelsea to Manchester United for 64.2 million euros. Money Mace. Is that, am I calling him Money Grabber? Is that his name? It was his nickname before he left. Who hurt so you? listen, <laughs> who hurt me? Hey, listen, I lost Kai Havertz and Mason Mount in one transfer window. Okay, a lot of people hurt me at Chelsea. Well, a lot of people hurt me at Chelsea the whole year. Okay, I was painful. But Mason Mount, look, putting all the emotional stuff aside, because I also don't really think he was much of a fit at Chelsea anymore with this Pochettino side. I'm iffy on this move. I like it for Manchester United. I think that it improves them for sure. I just, I don't know how much it it improves them. It's similar to Havertz. I think I like it more than Havertz. It's similar though in that that midfield looks weird with him in it. So basically with Ten Hag, he plays that 4-3-3, but I think it kind of turns into like the three box. You basically have... Casemiro as a CDM, and then Bruno and Mason Mount as the two eights. Now, Bruno doesn't give you any sort of defensive ability whatsoever. So you're basically counting on Casemiro and Mason Mount to do all the work. I don't know. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Listen, it, it might wind up working out and it being beautiful and it's the best midfield in the Prem. For me personally, I don't see how this is going to work right now for them. I don't know how much he improves them, but he's a good set piece taker. He works hard. And he's definitely going to be a good person to have on the team. He's, you know, he's good vibes. Seemed like a lot of people at Chelsea loved him as a teammate. So I'm going to give this move a B plus. I like it more than Havertz, but I'm still not sure if this is going to bring Manchester United into that next bracket of improving. And also, you have to understand when we're taking all of these transfers into account with our grades, we're looking at the fee that they paid. We're looking at if we think it's going to improve the team already and just our opinions on the player. So we're looking at a few things. And again, pretty big fee for Mason Mount. So overall, I'm going to give it a B plus. What do you think in D? I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. I like it more for Man U than Havertz for Arsenal. I, I'm also going to give it a B plus. I do think he's going to be more consistent in that starting 11, uh, contributing to the squad. Again, he won't be the big difference maker that our Manchester United is looking for, but he does do the little things right. He wins more than 50% of the tackles in the midfield, and even though he doesn't contribute, he didn't have many goals and assists last season, he does the little things right, and that might, that might be what Man U needs to unlock more goals and have better, a better defensive structure. All right. So, hey, look, well said. And I'm, I'm open to being proven wrong, all right? Up next... Your favorite. <laughs> we got big Sandro Tonali, the happiest man <laughs> in Newcastle. Sandro Tonali, he's more worried about how big the gym is and um, maybe getting a flight back to Milan in two years when he ultimately flops, which is what I'm thinking. And you know what? That'll, that'll be my cue to kind of take this. You know, I, I've been waiting for this one, okay? I am so down on this transfer. I don't like it. I keep seeing things on Twitter like, 
Newcastle got the center defensive mid they needed, blah, blah, blah. Sandro Tonali is not a defensive midfielder. He's a number eight. He works hard. Yeah, he's going to do a lot of running for you, but he's not a CDM. And the thing that this Newcastle United team needs is a proper number six, that CDM, to unlock Bruno. Very similar to how Chelsea needs a CDM to unlock Enzo. Newcastle needs a CDM to unlock Bruno, and Tonali is not going to be that. He ranks highly with key passes and in those passing metrics, but you don't really see anything too crazy in regards to tackling. I saw a really good TIFO video. If you follow TIFO football, I love them. They're my favorite podcast and also just favorite YouTube channel. JJ Bull did a great video on basically how he's, he's not a defensive midfielder. And in fact, most of his creative stuff comes from set pieces. So I'm looking at this Newcastle team and I think they're not tackling the positions they need still with this signing. It's an abhorrently high amount. What is it? It was 64 million euros for this guy. I don't think he's a bad player, but I don't think this is what Newcastle needs to take them to the next level after they just qualified for the Champions League. I'm giving this a C. Oof. So harsh. Hey, listen, that's what I think. That's what I think. I honestly have higher expectations for Tanali. I think he will be good. I don't know if he lives up to the price tag, but I think he will be better than what Pano thinks he's going to be. He outperformed his expected assist in Serie A significantly last year, almost double, and he went and he won more than 60% of the tackles last season in the Serie A league. With that being said, as Pano mentioned, they are playing in the Champions League this year. More games, more wear and tear on the, on the players. I think bringing in a fresh body that can contribute and keep the quality high throughout the season is a plus. Overall, I'm going to give Tonali a B. I have higher expectations in Pano for this one. Listen, man, he's coming from Farmers League, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. All right. I'm going to let you take the reins on this one, even though, you know, obviously you're going to say that I love this move. Let's go. Number seven, Christopher Nkunku. All right. So he is signing for Chelsea for 60 million euros. This is a release clause that they paid, and they're getting him from RB Leipzig in Germany. Um, what are you thinking? I, I actually love this move. Mm -hmm. As we saw last year, Chelsea struggled to score goals, and Nkuku, he's a bagsman. He is a certified bagsman. Exceeded his XG in the Bundesliga last year, 16 goals in 25 games. He did have that injury throughout World Cup uh, training right before the actual World Cup. Your, your boy Kemavinga. Yep. But overall, I like it. He can score with both feet. Scored... As I said, 16 goals last year in the Bundesliga, nine with his right foot, five with his left foot. I'm going to make my first bold prediction in the first episode. If Nkunku plays 30 Premier League games, I say he's going to score 20 Premier League goals. And I think he also has a high floor. So a bad season for him will be 10, 11, 12 goals, which isn't too bad. But that's, that's a pretty high floor for him. But I have high expectations. I'm giving this one an A-. It's a big score. Listen... And Kunku, it was a really cool deal. I remember when Fabrizio announced this in January that it happened. And apparently it was signed the summer prior. So we're talking like September, August of 2022. It was like a secret move that happened. Came way out of nowhere. And then they didn't announce it until like three weeks ago. Um, and Kunku, what can I say really? Fantastic player. Scoring. 
at least 20 goals and assists, or he had at least 20 goals and assists again last year, I believe. Um, slight overperformance on the goals, but he seems to do this pretty regularly. He was insane the year prior before he got that injury. The injury before the World Cup definitely slowed him down. Overall, though, listen, this guy's a line breaker. Okay, when we're talking line breakers, you could break lines with passing, you could break lines with dribbling. Well, I got news for you Christopher Nkunku can do both. He is in the 95th percentile for key passes in Europe's top five leagues. He also is the 96th percentile for through balls in Europe's top five leagues. And listen, that was just his passing. Then we get into his take-ons. Ooh, this man loves to dribble, okay? Successful take-ons. He is in the 92nd percentile for successful take-ons and 91st for take-ons attempted. So overall, this guy likes to dribble. He likes to pass. And with that, I'm going to give this move because I think he's going to add a lot to Chelsea, whether he plays in the midfield or as a second striker. So number 10 or second striker. That's the only thing that I'm really not sure about is whether he's going to be a number 10, although that's what it's looking like he's going to be. They're actually playing right now. I wonder what he wound up playing in this game against Wrexham or a second striker. For that, I'm going to give this move an F. Wow. You heard it here. All right, listen. You're just going to see this going forward. I'm a pessimistic Chelsea fan. Just just whatever I say, you know, it's it's going to always end with something negative about them. I'm going to give this move an F. I love it. That's why, for me, it's going to get an F. Moving on to number eight. You like this one. Manuel Ugarte from Sporting to PSG for 60 million euros. Want me to take this one? Mm-hmm. I'll go first. Listen, another guy who I would have loved at Chelsea. Um, in fact, they had a fee agreed, and then PSG just came and threw Qatar's money at him, and he wound up going there. He is just a hair under six feet or six feet with Air Maxes on. It depends on who you ask. And he is a dynamo in the midfield. He has elements of N'Golo Conte, and he is just a dual machine. And I think Dimitri actually has some of those stats for us, too. He's an absolute monster when it comes to completing his duels. But he's also a dribbler. He kind of gives me Kovacic vibes when it comes to his dribbling. I've seen lots of clips of him, um, lots of like scouting videos of him. And he's pacey. He loves to dribble, and he loves to tackle. And I think that this is a great move for PSG in general. I think that this upgrades their midfield because Verratti is getting older, and he's also only five foot four. This, you add more height in the midfield, and you just add some youth. He's also Uruguayan, so he's got that grittiness, that South American grit that you absolutely love. And I really like what PSG is doing this summer in general, even though a lot of people are low on them, especially with the, the Mbappe stuff going on. A lot of people are low on them. I actually love the moves that they're making this summer because I think that they're sensible. I think that they're gonna, it's going to improve them long term, and I think for $60 million, this is going to prove to be a bargain for PSG. So I'm going to give this move an A minus. I like this move as well. Like you said, he does bring that South American grit. He's taller than Verratti. He's physical and he has a presence in the midfield. He ranks in the 99th percentile for tackles amongst midfielders, 97th percentile for interceptions, and 90th percentile for blocks. That's insane. That's he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's crunching out there. He's, he's a monster. He is. Big and young, and he brings that grit. What, what also is 
what you want to see from a, an enforcer, kind of. He picked up 11 cards last year in the Portuguese league. No red cards, though, but he does, he does lay down the law when he needs to, which I do like, and you need somebody like that on your team. Things at PSG can get a little fishy, though, so I do, I do like the move, but I'm going to lower my score a tad bit. I'm going to give it a B plus. All right, listen, listen. I like it overall. Uh, I'm glad that we're also disagreeing on some stuff because we, we can't agree on everything, okay? So moving on, number nine. Okay, I have to let you have this one. I want you to even introduce it because I think that this is Dimitri's favorite move of the summer. So how about you take it away? Outside of Declan Rice, I think this is my favorite move of the summer. Ruben Neves from Wolves to Al-Hilal for 55 million euros. Now let me tell you this. Ruben Neves in his mid-20s, a steal for, for Al-Hilal in that Saudi league. Absolute baller. He is a baller. And let me tell you, he's also a bagsman. A bagsman, but not that type of bagsman. He's getting 300K a week now compared to 50K a week at Wolves. That's securing the bag. His quality is high for the league. Coming from the Premier League, as I said, in his mid-20s, every, everybody in over 30 flocking to that league as well. I think he'll do well. But hey, at the end of the day, the man's getting paid. Show me that money. <laughs> So listen, I think I'm going to basically take my score. I'm going to divvy it up between is it good for Al-Halal in the Saudi league and is it good for Ruben Neves? And I'm going to take the average of that. Because for me, I know Dimitri's big on him. I don't think he's a baller. I think he had plenty of opportunities to move to bigger clubs over the last couple of years while he was at Wolves. Lots of links to clubs like Manchester United. For me personally, I think he is Jorginho with much better shooting and what i mean by that is he has no physicality whatsoever all right and dimitri didn't even give you guys a score <laughs> i didn't, didn't think I, score. I, I didn't think i had to easily an a all right well and he interrupted me on top of it unbelievable disrespectful <laughs> but so listen he's like Jorginho. he's not a very athletic midfielder he plays in the base but he better than Jorginho and that he could actually kick a soccer ball, which is great for him. He takes long shots. He scores most of his goals from long shots and penalties. Um, good with set pieces. Overall, a move for Al-Hilal. I think this is fantastic for them. I think that getting a guy in their mid-20s very Oscar-esque when he moved to Shanghai when he was 25-26 in his prime. He took the money and he went. And I think this is a good move for them. Adds quality, adds youth. And it seems like he was a really important leader at Wolves. So I think it'll be important for the dressing room at Al-Halal. For Ruben Neves personally, I'm sad that, you know, he felt like he had to go to the Saudi league to basically, you know, secure the bag to get money for his family. But I also don't blame him. You know, this we're talking about, you know, life-changing wealth, generational wealth, setting up your family for decades. Most of these people are supporting not just like their immediate family, like their wife and kids, but they're also supporting other family members, cousins, uh, sisters, brothers, mom, dad. So I don't blame him for that. I'm going to give this move overall for both sides. I'm going to give this a B plus because, look, I don't love it because, you know, player in his prime moving to the Saudi league. But also I don't rate him that highly. So 
Overall, again, B plus. That's what I'm going with. Let's move on. Number 10, our final of our top 10 list. We have Kim, who moved from Napoli to the big behemoth, Bayern Munich. We got Min J Kim. You want to take it away or you want me to go first? You go first. All right, listen. I believe that Napoli bought him. I could double check right now the fee, but Kim Min Jae, they got him for a very minimal fee. Um, they didn't get him for very much from Fenerbahce. It was very low. And now they're flipping him for big money. So I like this movie. 18 million euros is what they got him for. Now they're flipping him for release clause 50 million. Big move for Napoli. I also think that he's a good defender overall. Look, he brought the Scudetto to Napoli after decades. He replaced a leader in Kulabozo. I mean Kulabali. I'll get more in my thoughts on Kulabali. Maybe another episode. He replaced Kulabozo and he absolutely blew him out of the water. Definitely an upgrade to that Napoli defense. Um, they sold Kulabozo for way more money. Got this guy on the cheap. And now they're flipping him like that for 50 million euros. Overall for Bayern Munich, I think that this adds a solid defender to their team because obviously Thomas Tuchel, he likes to kind of flip between a four-back and a three-back. And they have a guy named Upamakano on their team who I'm not crazy about. Um, Dimitri and I have some nicknames based on his footballing ability for him, and they're not very flattering to him. So I think that he's a overall good, solid defender to have in that midfield. And I, uh, not midfield, defense midfield. In that defense, although, you know, Thomas Tuchel, he likes to just put everyone everywhere. Um, I think that this upgrades their midfield. I don't think that this is exactly what they needed this transfer window. But again, I think it's a good start. And I think that maybe this could add a little bit more, you know, fandom, a little bit more reach to South Korea for Bayern Munich. Because, of course, having a South Korean player playing out one of the biggest teams in the world is always going to bring you more fanfare. Overall, I'm going to give this move a B plus because, again, I don't think that this is going to be what brings Bayern Munich their Bundesliga title again if it's going to be so hard this season again. But at the same time, I like the move overall for Thomas Tuchel. I like this move as well. Don't get me started on Uba Meccano. He's a certified bum. Let me put it to you like this. Bayern likes to play with the ball at their feet. They like to dominate possession, even against the big clubs in Europe, as we've seen over the last couple of years. Looking at Min Jai Kim's stats from Serie A last year, he's in the 97th percentile in passes attempted among center backs and the 90th percentile among pass, pass completion percentage. Progressive passes, 80th, 88th percentile. He likes the, he's comfortable with the ball at his feet. That's what Bayern likes to play. They like to play out the back. They like to have the center backs involved in creating their attack and pushing forward. So it's very important to have a center back comfortable with the ball at their feet. Like you I think they're going to walk the Bundesliga. I disagree with I mean, you on that. It's a hot take. But the only, <laughs> the, the only, it's not a hot take. The only thing for them to really be real, real contenders in Europe would be a, a number nine. But overall, Kim, I like the move. I'm going to give it a B plus. By the way, he's also great in the air defensively and a big body. I agree. So listen, that concludes our top 10, but we also want to give some honorable mentions, more like quick fire, because we don't want to keep you too much longer. My honorable mention, who I think is a bargain for this transfer window, is your boy, who might be Scottish, might be Argentinian, whatever he is, however his family got down there. Alexis McAllister from Brighton to Liverpool. 
for 42 million euros. I believe is a hair, what is it, under 35 million pounds. Absolute bargain for a guy who basically gives you a little bit of everything in the midfield. Again, revamping that Liverpool midfield. Um, I love that as my personal pick uh, for a bargain because I think Liverpool just got a really good midfielder, World Cup winner, on the cheap. So I like that move. My honorable mention didn't even go for a fee. Free transfer. Ilkay Gundogan to Barcelona. He does it all. The guy's an absolute baller. Does it all. Comes with experience. He's physical. He's great in the attack. He's all, he's all you want in a, mid, in a midfielder. And going for Friga Barca is a big plus for both sides. Hey, listen, man. I agree. I agree. Huge move. And listen, there's many more moves to come. Look, this transfer window is just getting started. Even just today, things really started heating up with Gavardiol. Here we go from Fabrizio Romano to Manchester City. That's not 100% agreed yet, uh, or the fee isn't 100% yet. We haven't gotten an actual announcement from either of the clubs saying that, but it's going to happen. Same thing with Onana. Any moment now, that's going to happen. We got Harvey Barnes, who, according to The Athletic, has just agreed a 38 million pounds move from Leicester to Newcastle. So there are plenty more transfers to come, but that's gonna wrap things up for this episode of The Line Breaker. Top 10 most expensive transfers of the summer so far. I'm your host, Pano. I'm Dimitri, AKA Juicy. And we're out of here.